This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to an episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. A warm and hearty TGIF to all who celebrate this noblest of occasions. Indeed. You are out in sunny Camden today. It looks, looks glorious out there, mate. I'm sure it's not as warm as it looks, but it looks very warm. It was bloody cold this morning. I'll tell you that much. That's how I know I'm sort of moving into a different stage of my life. I feel the cold a lot more. Just sort of shuffle around the house, cheat the teeth chattering and shit yeah but uh yeah the sun's out here and it's absolutely beautiful in the sun it's really nice once you get in the shade it's still cold as shit but uh a low winter sun who could object um so we had a game last night i think most people were expecting this to be a a procession and it did get away from the tigers at the end capo but first half of this game they actually kind of made it sort of interesting yeah, they did. They, um, I think they were always going to turn up with a certain amount of, of, of spirit because of what happened to them last week. Like they, they, they were always going to get embarrassed into a, into a little bit of valor. It was always a thing of whether that was going to be sustainable through the entire match to, to, to give Cronulla a real, a real run and felt for maybe like 50 odd minutes. It was, and I felt like the sharks were kind of just waiting for the tigers to go away. But then eventually they did go away and the Sharks just did enough of the things that they do well to, 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 to sort of put a couple of gears to the match that the Tigers couldn't really hope to match. You know, the, the, they were willing, the Tigers were willing in the middle of the field, but attack was a real struggle for them, you know, creating points or, or building pressure. They just found really, really difficult. Like Brandon Wakeham had a tough one. Mm, Will Smith in his first game for the club had a tough one as well. And they just sort of really lacked a, a little bit of spark. So once that, um, once that second Tommy Talia try got disallowed and then the Sharks went up the other end and scored almost immediately after to take it from 18-12 to 24-12. That was kind of all she wrote on this one, I thought. I feel like people look for ways to get mad about things just because, I don't know, they hate refs or they just love controversy. Over, but I well, pe- have... people, people love getting mad. People they love do getting love getting mad. mad. I had no problem with that call or the other one. I mean, The Sharks were lucky to avoid a sin bin with Talakai, but apart from that, I thought that all those calls that people were arcing up about were pretty, pretty by the numbers. Yeah. It was all, it was all, it was all correct. According to the book. I think, I think it was the second to allow one. I think people got upset because it was a very minuscule knock on, although Mm. it was definitely a knock on. And I think everyone was all the neutrals are kind of thing. Oh, it'd be nice to have a contest here. It'd be nice if the Tigers could sort of do something. Which I do get. Yeah. So. Are you saying we should institute a a clause where the, the degree of infringement can be, ignored if it's slight and it's against the team that's losing well i i do think that introducing a that was pretty sick bro clause oh we've been advocates for that for a while well it it, it, it opens a pandora's box for sure but there'd be some good shit in that box well i think I, I, I think staff was too far over the dead ball line for us to invoke that clause <laughs> last night as cool as it looked it was like staff you are very very much dead at this point um yeah um i so I thought I, like this was a, a a kind of same old story for for Cronulla. They're very much in just a holding pattern until this next run that they've got coming up, where they've got three tough teams all in a row, and after that, we'll very much have a better a better measure of them because they're going to get another chance to kind of take that next step, which they've sort of failed to do a lot this season. Um, there were moments in this game where their attack all snapped together and everyone was moving the way they were supposed to, and there was so much sort of off ball motion and all that, and and it looked just fantastic and they only had to they only did that two or three times 
through the game. But in the end, that was just something that the Tigers were never going to be able to compete with from a creativity and firepower standpoint, you know? Yeah. And look, uh, we were, we, 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 we know what the Sharks are at this point. And I think even their fans were kind of getting worried at halftime in this one with, with how it was going. But I mean, they did leave a lot of points on that table in the first half as well. I think the fact that it was 12 all was quite staggering. And it was mainly due to the fact that the Sharks couldn't hold on to the ball in the last 10 minutes of the half. But we should give a little rap quickly to Alex Seyfarth and Sean Bloor for that try because the the, the hands for the, for the from Seyfarth and then the power of Bloor to get over the line, I thought that that was a very positive moment for the Tigers, although one or maybe both of them won't be there next year. So that's well, not great. Seyfarth is that classic, he's a middle, but he's got a bit of footy in him. Mm. You know, he can he can do a little thing like that here and there. And I think he's someone who, at a, at a successful and well-coached club, could be a, a very productive and underrated middle. Sean Bloor's a little bit different. I've been a big fan of Sean Bloor's for a good, good while now. He was a very decorated junior footballer at Penrith. He captained the junior kangaroos. Was sort of, um, kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit out there. Had a couple of really bad knee injuries. And has washed up at the Tigers, where again, injuries have been a struggle. He missed all of last year with an Achilles problem. But he's always someone who's had a lot of ability and a and and not just physical ability, but he's also got that sort of he's got that sort of aggressive streak to him as well. And and big yeah. things can happen Runs around hard. him. Yeah. And I get the feeling that if he gets one more preseason in, he's gonna start showing a lot of that promise that that he sort of had as a junior. And he's the kind of guy that I think. If he stays at the Tigers, I think he'll still he'll still do well, but I think there's a chance that somebody can pick him up on the cheap and make an absolute killing. Like yeah. I think he's someone. If I was the Raiders, I'd be looking at him. If mm. I was Souths, I'd be looking at him. It's a sort of guy. Well, I think Souths were linked with him a couple of days ago, weren't he they? He has he has the talent. He has the pedigree. He's just sort of had a rough run, and, and he's and he's got to just be in the right environment to pull that sort of thing out, you know. Mm. But we saw in this game how 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 strong he was and and how much ability sort of is lurking in there. So I was surprised. I think it was about a month ago now that he got linked with an immediate move to Super League. And I was, I'd be very, very surprised if he ends up over there. Cause I think there'd be a couple of clubs keeping tabs on him. Um, with Cronulla, I thought Tom Hazelton was excellent. Again, he's, he's very, he's very quickly becoming a very important part of their middle rotation. He just sort of gives them a, a dynamic presence that, 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 that they've really lacked both in attack and defense. And our uh, good mate, Jason Oliver over at, um, RL writers had a really good piece earlier this week that sort of pointed out that while the offloads haven't really come for Tom Hazelton yet, because he's so big and he's able to stand tall in the tackle so well, that's a weapon that I think could evolve into Cronulla's attack over the latter part of the season. And they've already got a lot of weapons. Mm. So adding another one is a, is an intriguing prospect for them going yeah. forward. But I, I get, but I guess it's the, it's the same story with Cronulla. They did what they had to do here, but I want to see him well, the next three weeks. I want a, to, I want away to, to New Zealand, up. away to the Warriors next week. So that'll be a big test for them, uh, especially given what happened in that corresponding fixture earlier this year when they were, when they were run down with that massive lead. So that's probably their biggest test in a little while and, and, and a great chance for them to say, look, we can beat a top eight team. So for their sake, I hope they can get that done. The Tigers, I mean, the next two weeks is their best chance to get off the bottom ladder. They've got the Knights and the Dragons next two. So... I will say for the Tigers, why did it take a 74-0 loss for them to sort of put together 50 good minutes of football? Mm. You know, like we we knew that they can, we know that they can play this way sometimes and that they can be competitive in matches. So to me, that just makes the fact that they bought them out so badly last week all the more disappointing. And you can say, you know, we got to move on and it's in the past now, but 
that's the sort of game that that game has this as the sort of stink that is going to permeate the Tigers, I think, for for quite a while. You know, a loss of that magnitude. Oh, the yeah. Embarrassment of that magnitude, you know. So, yeah, Tigers keep just trucking along, fucking things up, losing games. They should be they should be better than this. I'd be very frustrated that they aren't. Try! Try! This is a try! Brilliant! Brilliant play! I think it's a try! Oh, I don't know if this is going to be a try! Gee, what about this bloke? All right, it is time for our weekly segment where we talk about a player you might have forgotten about. Our sweet spot's the late 90s, early 2000s, but it's just a guy who you go, oh, yeah, I remember that guy, Campo. So sitting around and naming old footy players is the finest thing a person can do. It's literally my favorite thing to do in the in the entire world. And this week, dear, beloved, treasured listener, Ed Burton, has uh, has lobbed one right into Bungard Strike Zone. Ed Burton has chosen Todd Polglace. Oh, Todd Polglaze, what a so, player. So like we always love to have a good back and forth in this in this segment, but occasionally one one of us gets one that's just right right where we want it. Mm-hmm. And the other one's just got to clear out and let the other guy cook. And so, when it comes to South Sydney players, the, the the players that they had just post readmission, this is this is this is where Bungard's eyes light up. So I'm 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 just backing out. I'm getting out of the pain on this one. So Todd Polglaze was uh, a young guy from the Hunter. I think he's from Cessnock and was one of, sort of a talented junior at the Bulldogs that got a, like a sniff of first grade. But those teams in the early 2000s for the Bulldogs were so good that it was really, really hard for anyone to, to break into those teams. See also Isaac Luke, who we got from them uh, a couple of years later as well. But uh, Todd Polglaze was, was part of a triple transfer coup of Bulldogs that South Scott at the end of 2003, consisting of himself, Glenn Hall and Shane Martini. Can, so I, can I duck in just for a second? <laughs> yes. I was going to ask, when you finished talking about Todd, I was going to say, who did they sign on the same day as Todd Polglos yeah. from the Bulldogs? But Had it ready. You and you've, you've, cut me off at, you've cut me off at the knees. Glenn Hall was an honest uh, sort of toiling bench prop, but Shane Martini is probably best remembered for being the guy that Greg Bird need in the head and in a game. Into, never forgave him. He was right in front of like a 12-year-old me at the old <laughs> SFS. We won that game. We didn't win often. Um, so Todd Polglaze could play pretty much anywhere in the back line. And I think across his South Sydney career, he played uh, center wing fullback and five eighth in various points, but he, he was predominantly fullback. That was his preferred position. Only got the one game in 04, but did his knee. So he, he was of those three guys, easily the guy with the most sort of pedigree and the most sort of upside because, you know, he was this young guy that people didn't really know a whole lot about. He was exciting. He ran hard. He was a decent enough ball player. He had a bit of toe about him. And he played this one game and he looked okay, but he he, he, he got injured and that was it for 05. So, uh, 04. So when he came back in 05, it was, you know, to, to use that old cliche, it was almost like getting a new signing. And so the 05 season starts and Paul Glaze is straight into the team um, a couple of re- weeks into the season. And he plays fullback uh, in round four against the Warriors. Uh, South lose that game. But in, the, in round five, and I was at this game, round five, South played a home game against Newcastle. In Gosford, this was back when Siaski took a game to Gosford every year, and they won the game thirty-seven to twelve on the back of Joe Williams' masterclass in the in the number seven jersey. But his halves partner that day was Tal Polglas, wearing the number one on his back. He'd been moved to five eighth at the eleventh hour, and do you know why he was moved to five eight, Nicholas? Uh, I'm gonna guess Owen Craigie got ruled out. 
No, it was well, maybe, but the the the, re- the thing I remember is that uh, Bomber McRae gave the fullback shot to a young man by the name of Roy Bell. Oh wow! Yeah, this was Roy Bell's. I think it was his first grade debut. I think this was a game where he he he. No, he, he, no, sorry, no, it wasn't his debut. He played in yeah. that 04 game against the Broncos. That was his debut, I think. But Roy Bell had been in and out of the team a little bit, and, and he, but they they threw him the number, they threw him the fullback spot for this game. So Paul goes, went into the halves. I remember watching it back, Gus Gould talking about how fast Roy Bell was. I remember, I remember Tol Polgo's putting a couple of absolutely massive shots on a couple of nights. Players. I remember David Farlongo smashing Andrew Johnson a tackle. And I remember someone in the borough having a jersey saying, we've got the best Joey on the field in reference to, <laughs> to Joe Williams. I remember this game very vividly because Joey had such a shocker. And this yeah. was when the Knights had that really tough start where I think they lost their first 11 games or something like that. And they Joey, were the best team to ever get the wooden spoon because he came yeah, back at jo- the end of the year. Well, and- that's it. And, and what really changed for him was it was, and it wasn't long after this game that Joey got injured. I can't remember what he did. He might've broken his jaw, not a hundred percent, but he had, took a bit of extra time off, went up to the Queensland Institute of Sport, trained like a maniac, came back for one game, then got picked for origin two and had his great comeback. And then after that was just mm. lights out, was incredible for the rest of the season. And given he retired at the start of 06, it was pretty much, Oh, sorry. He retired at the start of 07. It was sort of the start of the, of the, the post prime apex of Joey's yeah. of Joey's career, you know, and it wouldn't have happened if he didn't get the business by a halves pairing of Joe Williams and Todd <laughs> Polglaze. And so Polglaze is an interesting one to me because he embodies sort of everything that supporting Souths in the early 2000s stood for. He wasn't particularly talented, but he tried hard and he gave hope. And occasionally there was a great moment. And Few players summed that up more than him. There was there was one game, God bless him, where I remember Souths were were sort of they were playing the Bulldogs and they were down by a try, I think, with a few minutes to go, and they they got, they forced an error and got a scrum play, and Top Hoggers got tackled over the sideline on tackle one, and that and that kind of just sort of summed up the era that Souths had. They couldn't get out of their own way. There was more bad times than good, but you just had to laugh along with it. And Polgos was there for a lot of a lot of good moments as well in that 05 season. If you remember, that's the first season that Souths don't get the wooden spoon upon readmission, excluding 02 when they were the worst team, but the Bulldogs had all their points deducted. So 02, 03, 04, they are by a substantial distance the worst team in the competition in all their seasons. 05 under Sean McRae, they actually string a few wins together. They get some... Top Hogler Top scores a double in the last game of the season against the Sharks in a 26-22 win. And you kind of think things are going to be better. You kind of think that Souths have finally turned this corner of being the absolute joke of the league. And then, well, then 06 happened and they won, <laughs> they won three games in the entire season. They didn't win a game until round 14 of the season. And that was against the origin affected baby Broncos. Um, and I can, Glace, tell, I can yeah. tell you the other two teams they beat that season. Give them to me. Well, they I beat, know. Yeah. They beat, uh, they, uh, they beat the Raiders. They did. Definitely. Yeah. And then it was either. It was either the Panthers or the Tigers. I'd it was Penrith, who weirdly, because yeah. Penrith, they've just, the only teams they used to beat in this era were Penrith and the Tigers. So no, it was weird. occasionally they'd pull one out against Melbourne. That's, that's, that's true, actually. Yeah. That's very <laughs> true. Yeah. And um, so Paul Glaze will always have a special place in my heart because he was also a part of the team that beat the Roosters for the first time since like 1993 or something. They beat mm-hmm. them 17-16 via a Ben Walker field goal late in 2005 at the old SFS. He was part of that team. Um, and then 06 happens. He he plays a bit of center, plays on the wing also um, at one point, comes off the bench in a game. And it's a shame because 
he's then not there in 07 when they finally do actually turn a corner under Jason Taylor properly and make the finals for the first time in my lifetime and sort of actually start to show a bit of professionalism. He goes back to Newcastle, plays a handful of games for the Knights and then retires finally succumbing to persistent injuries that he's had over the course of his career. Well, memorably, the game game that's most memorable for me at the Knights is again linked to Joey. It was when they played the Broncos. It was a week or two Mm. after Joey had announced his retirement and they named the Andrew John and they unveiled the Andrew John's stand up at, um, up at marathon. And I remember him, I think he scored a double and set up another one. So the careers of Todd Polglace and late Andrew John's, irrevocably intertwined. I can't think of one without yep. thinking of the other. And then less than, less than a month after that double, he played his last NRL game. Well, he had no... He, <laughs> there were Todd no worlds Poglace left to wept, <laughs> But there were no more worlds to conquer. Yeah, Toddy Poglays, one of those guys who like, if you're not a fan of early 2000 Souths, you probably don't even know who he is. I but was going to say, this is this is real sicko shit. For, yeah, for, but for like... Birdo's thrown up for us. It is. Uh, he's just one of those guys like him, guys like Luke Stewart, Brent Gross... Uh, I Paul think Luke, Stringer. Luke, Stu- Luke Stewart. I love Luke Stewart, but Luke I'm just talking Stewart about the guys that were... I would say Luke Stewart and Paul Stringer are both a level above that. But Brent Gross, he's in the pole glacier. Shane Shane Rigon, yeah. Scott McLean. Scooter McLean is he lives in the pole glacier. Yeah. So all these guys. Uh Manasseh Manuel Kafala, shout out. But, um yeah, all these <laughs> Mick dudes. Moran. Mick Moran. All your uh, faves. Probably Roy Bell as well, to be honest. Um, but yeah, look. It wasn't a great time to be a South City fan, but you treasure the good times and Todd Polglaze was there for pretty much all the good times in that early early period of supporting the Rabbitohs. So, Todd Polglaze, we salute you. Well, I'll tell you, next week we might be making another trip to the Polglaze zone. Okay. Because the random number generator has spat up Frankie. Oh, no. One of, one of, our, one of our most beloved patrons and a dear, dear friend, but also a tragic South Sydney man like yourself. You so, can't pick Keon Kalamatangi, Frankie. Yeah. So, Frank, sit, sit down, have a big think about it. Let us know who you want to go to. But, uh, yeah, strap on your hats, boys. We could be going back to, to Polglace City Absolutely. in seven days' time. Well, that sounds great. Oh, I'm more than okay with that. Um, we've got just four games to preview, Nicholas. So I don't like it. No, not enough footy. Uh, but you are heading down to the Illawarra this evening to watch the Dragons host the Canberra Raiders. I sure am. I sure am. Match of the round. More and more people are saying it. But yeah, it's on paper, Canberra should do this one easily, right? The Dragons have really been ailing for the last couple of weeks. They're in a really crook place. I know Ben Hunt's not been playing well, but they don't have him, which sort of take like that takes away a big part of their attack. Jaden Sewers out, Tyrell Sloan's out. A lot of reasons that Canberra fans should be very, very confident for this one, but I don't know a single one who is because of Canberra's just seemingly endless appetite to only play close matches this season. Mm. Like there's a part of me that says, well, this is as good a chance as, as Canberra's going to get, like not to fix their foreign against. Cause I don't think their foreign against is fixable at this point. It's minus 69. No, I, I think you want it to be negative and top four. That's what well, you that, want. That, that's it. You kind of, you kind of got to lean into the gag at some point, but I think just for my own, confidence in this team and for this team's confidence in themselves, I think it would be not important, but it would be very good for them if they could rack up a bit of a score and not even like a, a 50 or a 60. If they, if they were able to score like more than 30 points, which I think they've only done twice this year, that would be, that would be really good for them, you know, and their attacks should be really, really settled. They've had the same spine on the field for a good couple of months now. 
You know, they've had this, they've had a pretty settled back line for the last couple of weeks. I know Hudson, um, sorry, I know Corey Horsburgh's out. So they'll take away some of that passing presence in the middle of the field. But I would hope that on the back of a pretty strong defensive performance last week, Canberra's at the, able to go out there and score some tries and get this done and just take care of business. Here's Taylor rolling the ball in on him. He's after it. He might have got it down. He thinks he did. Oh! Cold train car. To make things worse, I've got to cold train these pricks as well. Just you because have to. I need. I need, well, I, do, I need some away games. Yeah, I need fair. some away games. And of the away teams, they're clearly the standout. But, like, of course, and I, I've said this before and I'll keep saying it, camera's fucking crazy. Like, mm. if they win this game by a point, I will not be surprised. If they're up at, if they're up 30-0 at halftime and end up winning 32-30 in golden point, again, I will not be surprised. Like, mm. this team's just been taking me on journeys every single week. And... Sometimes, sometimes they've ended well and sometimes they've ended poorly, but every single time it has been like, it has been the sort of roller coaster that, that if they had it at Wonderland, people would not be permitted to go on it. You know what I'm saying? It's oh, like, yeah. it's some, it's some like real radioactive shit. It's not safe for human consumption, but I keep consuming it anyway. Cause what's the alternative? Yeah. You know? What's interesting to me though, is the dragons for all their faults have not been disgracefully bad at home by that sharks game. They they're actually got a winning record at home this year. And they've knocked they've knocked off the the, the Rabbitohs and the Roosters in home games this year, but they did have Ben Hunt in those games, and they don't have him here. So yeah. that to me is more telling than anything else. I think that even in that game against what was essentially a Rabbitohs reserve grade side, they needed a vintage Ben Hunt performance to pull out a thirty six thirty win in the end. So it's just tough to see where their points are going to come from in this one. That's the thing. I, 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 if I was the Dragons, if I was a Dragons fan, I'd really look forward to Sullivan and Amone playing together. I know neither of them's had a great season, but as it stands, those two are kind of the hope for the future. So any time they get together is always going to be a pretty good thing. Um, Canberra have been loose around the ruck defensively at times this season. So I think Jacob Little, someone who could have a bit of joy out there tonight. And uh, I know, so Paul Turner's playing his first game for the club in first grade, and I've seen a little bit of him in reserve grade for the Warriors and the Titans, and I'm not sure if he's a fullback. I'm not even sure if he's going to be a consistent first grader, but he's one of those blokes. He, he can just do a bit. He can do a bit. He can beat defenders. He can do a chip kick and regather. He can do something flashy and unorthodox and totally, totally out of control, you know? Um I think he'll get really tested with Jamal Fogarty's kicking game. And if I was Canberra, like targeting Turner would be something I'd be looking to do. But with the ball, he can do a couple of exciting things. Mm. So it should it should all line up for Canberra. This should be a game that if they're just a, a if they're serious about making the top eight or, or, or even oh, absolutely. higher than that, this is one they really should handle. But how many times have I said that this year? And how many times have they actually handled their business well, in a in a in a in a you know comp- in a um in a convincing and professional? Well, I was going to say they have been handling it, just not convincingly. Exactly. So, so yeah. please, 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 for the love of Christ, just don't fuck this up, guys. All right, I'm tipping the Raiders. Thank also. you. You're welcome. All right, Parramatta hosting the Warriors with the Warriors being the short price favourites. This is, of course, due to the three. Names in the outs column for Parramatta this week. No Clink Otherson, no Mitchell Moses, no Regan Campbell-Gillard. So Sean Russell's at fullback. Madison and Dejan Arcee are in the halves together. And without uh, your friend, Vidimu Grigg, it's left to Ofahiki Ogden to partner Junior Ballo in the he's prop. Been, he's been pretty good since he, he has... came back into first grade this year, Ofahiki Ogden. I think he's going to step into the Vidimu Grigg-shaped hole 
in that Parramatta lineup over the close of the season. A um, little bit of mail going around over the last couple of days that Sean Johnson might miss this one. And if he was to to miss this game, I would give Parramatta every chance. In the oh, world. Yeah. Even yeah, if yeah, there, yeah. Even if he's there, I still think they're in with a shot. But the recipe for victory for Parramatta here is very much like the, the game they played against Manly without their origin stars a few, a few weeks ago as well, where I think that they had Clint Gutherson then, and he was very good, but the basic idea was use all your forward power, keep it really, really direct and just sort of keep the game as tight and as tough as you can. Right. That's probably a harder thing to do against a team like the Warriors because their forward pack can be so good. Um, and then if they've got the added bonus of sort of Sean Johnson's creativity on the edges of the ruck, I think this is a matchup that they'll quite, quite like, but I do think Parramatta's turned a corner in, in, yeah, yeah, in, this, yeah. in this winning streak. And I do think that they'll just have a bit more steel about them, regardless of, 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 of who's there. So I think the Warriors get this one, but I do think it'll be, it'll be tight. Yeah, no, SJ would probably swing my tip, but I'd probably go with the Warriors as well. It's interesting. I think that without Balo, the Warriors forwards would really just have their way with Parramatta, but him playing probably makes that a little bit more even. I know Fanua Blake's been fantastic, but their forward pack wasn't that good last week against South. So we saw what Parramatta did against South's forward pack just a few weeks ago. So, and they didn't have Campbell Gillard in that game either. So with that in mind, I think that, you know, Parramatta might have an advantage there. It just sort of, you just look at their back line and it's just a struggle to see sort of who's going to be that creative spark for them when they do get on the attack and when they do get good ball sets. But yeah, if Sean Johnson doesn't play, I could see sort of a low scoring grind out affair with Parramatta finishing on top. But I think if he does play, I think the Warriors should have enough touches in them to sort of get the job done, if that makes sense. Yeah. And like after what happened to the Warriors last week, they had a bad week, right? And a lot of a team can have a bad week. A lot of the time it's very important about how they respond to it, you know, and I've said a few times, I think this is a Warriors team that should be aiming high and dreaming big to that end. You can have one bad week, but you can't back that up with another subpar performance. You've really yep. got to try You've really got to snap back to your best. So if the Warriors have any ambitions to sort of bolt from the quicksand and be that fourth team in the top four, they've, this is the sort of thing that they, that they got it. They got to make it happen. They got to sort them out. Yeah, I, th- I completely agree. Um, I will tip them though, but yeah, that, that Johnson caveat is hanging over the heads of the New Zealand team. Moving like the, on. Like the sword of Damocles. Indeed. All right. The Rabbitohs hosting the Bulldogs who have to make the lengthier away trip to their home stadium on Saturday <laughs> night. Um, I do not know how Souths are short favourites in this one, Kepa. Well, Probably because Canterbury lost 66-0 last week and 50-something to something the week before that. Have you looked at the team lists? I don't look at the team list. The team lists look at me. Okay. All right. Thanks for that. The, so the the this is somehow worse than the team South trotted out against the Dragons a few weeks ago. Uh, I Like, if it was anyone else but the Bulldogs, I'd be like, yeah, this is an absolute slam dunk loss. And even with it being the Bulldogs, I'm still going to do something unprecedented. Here's Taylor rolling the ball end on him. He's after it. He might have got it down. He thinks he did. Oh! Cold train cup. The Bulldogs are not going to be in a position to win a game that's better than this for the rest of the season, I don't think. And I haven't tipped them yet. You hate the Bulldogs so much, though. Yeah, I do. Like, is this a morally bankrupt decision? No, I don't think so. You know, I, the, of, course, the, of, course, of course, you don't think so. That was a rhetorical question for the listener at home to answer. As I mean, our takes are directed to their ear holes. Our dear friend Matty Jenkins 
Coltrane the Cowboys last week, and she got a nice 74-point boost for her troubles. So, yes, but one, she doesn't hate the Cowboys, and two, the Tigers have nothing to play for anymore. Okay, so when this are the... Is a, this is a team you hate and despise. When and, are the, and you're quite vocal about it, too. Yeah, I, I do hate them, but like they're, I look through their draw for the rest of the year, and they've got Manly in the second last round of the season, and apart from that, I can't see a game that they would come close to winning. We're, we're, I've got to pick them at some point. That's the rules of the Coltrane Cup. That is the rules of the Carl Train. Got a, and without got the... those, without those rules, we are nothing. I saw a very interesting stat from I think it was our friend TB, another treasured and beloved listener. He said that South scored ten tries against the Bulldogs on Good Friday. Yep, and none of the try scorers are playing in this. That game. is correct because yeah, Out, Alex. Yeah, outstanding, great stat. Because Alex Johnson uh, didn't play in that one, so all the tries were scored by other people. I think Isaac Thompson got one. Campbell Graham got a bunch. Cody, of course, Trell. So. Yeah. Um, look, dude, all I'm saying is like it's it's like it's a math thing, right? The Bulldogs are two dollars forty something to win this game. They are not gonna be two dollars forty something to win an NRL game for the rest of the season. So with that in mind, it's my best chance to tip them. And I'll be happy to be wrong. I don't care if I'm wrong. But gotta pick them at some point. It's an away tip at their home stadium as well. And yeah. Uh, I'm still tipping Souths, but of culture and the Bulldogs. <laughs> well, the 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 thing that would give me a lot of hope if I was a Souths fan is just even with so many guys out, that's South's forward pack, and particularly their middle. That's where they can win the game. Yeah, well, they should be able to do that because, like, not only have Canterbury's middles been been pretty soft all year, there have been guys like um, Max King, who's probably sort of taken a few steps backwards over the last couple of months. You know, Tavita Pangai Junior has absolutely cratered since he since he got dropped from Origin, and without those two guys, there's not really much of a middle to speak of yeah you know? so it's, it's been funny i've been in sort of like i've got two mates michael and joshua come to the game with me on on saturday and we've been in like sort of like a duck season rabbit season thing all week where i'm like no we're gonna lose and they're like no we're gonna lose and it's no one no one thinks their team is gonna win this game but um i, I just think that especially the fact that matt burton's playing and the fact that they've got toby sexton out of the clouds somehow to give them a clear advantage, I think, in the halves. Not just an advantage, a clear advantage in the halves matchup as well, I think will be massive. And, they, and they've dropped Hayes Perham from fullback, which I don't think is fair. This is like when this is like when Moses Embiid didn't play hooker against us a month ago. Why is this allowed? <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, Perham, the juice sort of ran out on Perham uh, probably a couple of months ago, you know, and I know Avarillo's leaving or whatever, but given Crichton's going to come in and play fullback, you may as well give someone another try. That is one thing I do like about about what the Bulldogs have done here. I I understand what teams go for when they get smashed and then they keep the same team pretty much. Want to give everyone a chance at redemption, all that sort of deal. And I get that from like a, a coaching standpoint. From an emotional standpoint, if my team gets smashed, I want everyone dropped. You know, yep. that's the lizard brain part of me. Of course. And if I was a Bulldogs fan, that's what I'd be crying out for. And Cameron Serraldo, God bless him, has obliged. Yeah. Now, some um, of those changes are probably not going to work. Is Jackson to point? Well, I was about center? to raise that dude because he probably played, not. if you remember, he played center in the Good Friday game for about an hour and it went as badly as it could have possibly gone. Like he got bathed over and over and over again by by that South's right side. So I don't know why they would remember that game and think that putting him there from the start. Good edge back rower, not a center. Yeah. yeah. So well, Jaden Ockenbaugh has held onto his spot on the edge, which maybe is, they switch those two guys around. I maybe because the Ockenbaugh stuff, I'm just, I'm just not seeing it at all at all. But I, I, I'm glad you brought up Sexton. So Sexton signed with Canterbury, I think 
three days think, ago. Yeah, yeah. So it was only just it was just after we'd finished recording one of our many, many shows. We hadn't had a chance to talk about it yet. Even if it doesn't work this week or this season, I think that's a really, really smart get for Canterbury because Sexton, he might never be, you know, one of the top five halfbacks in the league or whatever, but he seems to me to be the sort of player who no matter what level of football he plays at, he'll always have like a very base level of competence. He can get the team around the park okay. I think he can complement Matt Burton really well. I haven't liked Burton at halfback at all. I don't think it's played to his strengths. I don't think it's really suited him. So the idea of Burton being able to be a little bit wider, Burton's probably not going to have to do as much of the of the general play kicking, which sort of saves him for, for more of the attacking kicks, like grubbers and bombs and all that sort of thing. Sexton, to me, covers a pretty clear need for, for for Canterbury from a roster standpoint. And while Kyle Carl Olapau might be the future, he is just he's still just a boy. You know? So I think getting Sexton who is a good player, but if Olapau takes some really big steps forward over the next two seasons, Sexton's not too good to drop, you know? So in, t- in terms of like transitioning to the next generation or transitioning towards Carl Olapau in the long term future, I think Sexton's an, an 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 excellent bridge to that time. And then if Sexton keeps playing great who knows? Maybe you keep him in the team for longer. You know, it means that there's no, there's not as much pressure to rush Olapau into first grade. You know, Sexton was the sort of player that I, I really wanted Canberra to look at as a replacement for, for Jack White. And I think at the very least, he can be an above average NRL half. I actually, yeah, I agree. I think that's his flaw. So his ceiling could be even higher. You know, and he's only played the one game this season. Played for the Titans against the Dragons. Had a blinder. Scored the winning try. Was 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 just really really tidy all around the field. I don't know why the Titans have sort of moved on from him as a player so quickly, but um, a very good bit of business for Canterbury, I think. Yeah, it's annoying. It was, he was a guy I sort of hope like perhaps if they did want to upgrade there that South would look at for next year. So instead, he'll be playing against them this week and probably beating them. But uh, we'll see. <laughs> um, yeah, I think South have the advantage in the forwards, but that's about it. I think it's fair. Um, Footy Dean was really, really poor in his last chance in first grade. So I'm really hoping for a better showing from him. But uh, yeah, I'll be there. It'll be awful. It's freezing cold. <laughs> There'll be six people there. But uh, hey, you do it for the love of the game, don't you? Either we're getting older and crankier or we're uh, or ANZ Stadium's just getting worse. Yeah, it could be two things. <laughs> <laughs> and um, finishing off the round... One game on Sunday, the Titans hosting the Dolphins. Um, I don't. What, what do we call this rivalry? Um, I'm not sure. I'm sure Pythago NRL has a clever mm. Queensland-based name for it, but what it exactly would be is eluding me right now. Because That's fair. Redcliffe is north of Brisbane, and then Gold Coast is south. So I don't know if there's a lot of whole lot of geographical overlap. We're in like real. We're in like real Queensland areas. Will there be spot. another twenty-six point comeback? God, I'd hope so. That would just be that would be a perfect little aperitif on a on a Sunday eve mm. as the weekend winds down. You know, this is a really hard week for fans to get through. Just try and get through it, guys. Well, well I, I I think well, I think this game will be fun. It's very rare. That oh, Titans, it will be. It's very rare that Titans games aren't eminently watchable. Um, the, so the tunes are they're missing. They're missing some firepower. They're missing for feeder. They're missing. Fodawaka, they're missing Tino and they're missing Brimson. It's a lot of outs. It's a lot of outs, but I think they still might just, they just might have enough. They just might have enough. Just, just because the, I think, I think last week was very much the dead cat bounce 
for the Finns. I think that was their sort of last gasp as they hit rock bottom. And now it's just like get through the season without, without undermining all the great work that you've done to this point. You know, guys like the Bromiches and Kafusi who have exceeded a lot of my expectations this season. I think the wear and tear of a long season is starting to show on them. You know, Kafusi yeah. someone that I would probably be looking for a really, a really big performance from, you know, because since he copped that long suspension that kept him out of origin one, I don't think he's quite been the same. Like maybe it's a match fitness thing. Maybe he's just sort of struggled to, to get that back. Oh, wait, Felice Kafusi's not playing. I'm a fucking idiot. Sorry. <laughs> But actually, that's not a bad thing for them because it means Lemuelu gets to start. And I think that gives them more of an attacking threat. And that's that's important because scoring points has been something of a struggle for them over the last couple of weeks. So I don't know. I guess the big one for me is is with Kafusi out. And I didn't realize that because I'm a fucking idiot. Not the big idiot. one for me is probably O'Sullivan. I don't, I don't think he's been that flash since he came back from that torn peck, which is a you know it's a serious injury and all that. But I think he needs to start getting back to that footy from the first few weeks of the season if the Dolphins are going to have any chance of, of taking down a Titans team that's just got a little bit more or probably a lot more strike to them. Yeah, I, I think that like the, the Titans forward pack is just so diminished by yeah. their origin guys not being out. Like, But in saying that, I... I look at the two matchups on the screen right now, and I don't really think the Dolphins have like a gigantic edge either because, you know, of course there's been no Tom Gilbert for ages. Felice isn't playing and they weren't that deep in forwards to start with. So it's kind of just sort of like to, for lack of a better term, sort of the uh, sort of a battle of two sort of not so great, not so great forward packs in this one. And if you look through the one through seven, I think that perhaps the Dolphins might have a little bit of an advantage there. Really? I, I disagree. Just I because... I think the Titans have him. I think the Titans have him dead to rights. Mm. Well, just because like Jaden Campbell, I think is it can be is an NRL starting quality fullback, and I don't think Cody Nikarima is as good as well as Nikarima's played. I don't love Dolphins. Campbell at fullback though. Well, I, I think I think that's I I I prefer him in the halves, but I do too. But if if I if I can't have Brimson there, like Campbell's a much more capable backup than Nikarima. I I, I think matchup. The matchup yeah. that I would be concerned about if 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 my Finn was was still up yeah. would be Valens Tavare against Brian Kelly. Kelly's had a, a sensational year. I, I would say his best year in first grade. And it's it's more come through creating opportunities for the men inside and outside of him rather than bl- blistering up and scoring himself. And as well as Valens Tavare has played this year, and as much as we all love him, and I do love him, I love him like a like a large Kiwi son. He's not the best defender and he doesn't move that well laterally. And Kelly has shown a real ability this year, holds the ball in his left hand, gets the right hand out, puts the big fend on and just slides yeah. to the outside. I just think with Katara and really O'Sullivan in the halves, I think they'll just be a little bit sort of more structured and, and, and sort of better at moving the ball. I think they do have the advantage in the halves. So really, I but Foran's had such a good year. He's been all right. I, and, and I'm not and, a, I'm not a Tanner Boyd fan at all. Well, so. I think, I think Tanner Boyd, he's been, he's been tidy this year and he, and he can occasionally, Reach down and 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 find some good stuff. Maybe I think we're splitting hairs. I, no, I'm we gonna... are, but we are, but that's what that's yeah. what that's what a four game round is all. No, about. you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Isaiah Katoa is slightly better than Kieran Foran. You idiot. <laughs> Not slightly worse. Um, yeah. Look, I will tip the Dolphins in a close one, but you're right. This will be entertaining at the very least. I would. Yeah, I'll go the tunes. I want to shout out Jacob Alec, who's on the on the bench for the for the Titans, a Papua New Guinean international. You know, we always love, love that. Him. So yeah, hope he has a hope he has a big one on Dubu. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh no, it's Simi Radradra. 
Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Semi-run-run-run. Oh, he's absolutely buried it. Run-run-run. All right, the big news, which actually dropped while we were recording the Greatest Games podcast a couple of days ago. If you want to go listen to that, uh, patreon.com forward slash Boom Rookies. But uh, the big news is, of course, the media blackout going into this weekend and Origin 3, Nicholas. We were both supposed to be at uh, Homebush on Wednesday night, and I dare say our workload on said night will be a little bit lighter than expected. That's right. That's <laughs> um, right. Yeah. So how do you feel about this? Because... Like I basically got like, I mean, we were recording, so we missed the news being announced. And then we actually found out because I got a call from SEN asking for go on the radio and talk about it. And then I winged my way through that. So I guess I was kind of reacting to it live on air. But I think that I said that like this short of not playing is the biggest step that they can take. And yeah, it seems like fans don't really like, I think that the, a couple of journalists that I've seen at least have sort of, tried to make this ham-fisted point that, like, it's the fans who are the real losers in all this. But I don't think the fans particularly care. I think the fans, for the most part, have taken the side of the players on this one. I, I So I'm always going to back the workers in a, in a dispute like this. I'm always going to want the workers to get as good a deal for themselves as they can because I'm a pinko commie lefty who works for the ABC. You know what I mean? Like, I always want the guys to get what's to get to get theirs and to get as much of theirs as they can while they can, because this is a brutal sport and a brutal industry and your, your earning potential is, is, can be quite limited sometimes. But I do think the fact that this, that's got to this point is something of an indictment on the entire process. And that's on the NRL and on the RLPA as well. This was meant to be squared away like last November. And remember there was a little bit more talk of it around the start of the season. And then and origin happened. Just, then we just kind of forgot about it. Yeah. And it's just kept on going and kept on going and kept on going. And, I, I think the the me- the message that the RLPA and the players are trying to send and what they actually want has become really, really muddled. I don't think the messaging is clear enough for, 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 for regular fans to sort of really grasp and get their head around. I think it's just become, there's become so much sniping and so much, uh, not, not complexity, but there's just been so much sort of mud thrown back and forth that it's kind of obscuring what the, what the players are actually after. And, I agree that this doesn't really sting the fans. This stings journalists more than anyone else. But because this stings journalists and there's people who can go out there and write opinion pieces one way or the other, then that can sway public. Well, yeah, it actually has stung. There has been some chat about the players are entitled and all this sort of deal from journos whose lunch is getting eaten because they're not going to be able to talk to anyone at the minute, you know? Hmm. So I appreciate that they wanted to make a strong stance, um, but I wonder if they've pulled the wrong rein here and the actual nuts and bolts of what they're doing is really strange. So they are doing media on Mondays and Tuesdays, but, but just through mostly the club it's websites. just with yeah. club websites and all, I don't know. I, I just don't think, I, I think the biggest thing in, I can't speak to labor, labor relations as a whole, but I think with foot, with, with footy and with stuff like this, where it's a very complex industrial issue, messaging is important. Language is important and clarity is important. And at the moment, I don't think, I don't think the RLPA calling this this strike is is, I don't think it accomplishes those goals. Yeah, like, I, I can you can you tell like you're you're very you're a, a well informed football fan, right? I would say more well informed than than maybe ninety percent of the footy fans out there. Can you tell me what the what the players want? In, no, in one I, sentence. More money. No, uh, a fairer collective bargaining agreement would be my guess. 
Yeah. But I couldn't what, tell you with to... concrete terms because none of that stuff's made public. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, it's hard to, it's hard to know what, if, when it's hard to know what they want, it's hard to know if this can be effective and it's hard to know if, if public opinion is going to be on their mm. side, you know? It feels like it is though. I mean, I, look, I mean, I, I'm obviously, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we have been the victims here because we've had to read stories about the drafts and conferences. <laughs> Wasn't and every it other... funny how quickly, how quickly that got broken? <laughs> like the the classic idea, someone's going to write about the high speed rail in a minute, just because we run out of <laughs> we run out of footy trips to examine. I, I, mate, I, I, I take what you said earlier, but at the same time, I don't feel like, like I, I, I think. I mean, you're you're more aware than a lot of journalists are. You're, we both are, I think, a little less self-absorbed than some. And I don't think a lot of people realise just how much contempt the average fan has for this profession in general. Mm. I don't think that, like, you know, we've had people in the past say with complete earnest earnestness that, like, oh, without the journalists hyping up Origin or Finals footy, it wouldn't. They wouldn't. It wouldn't be the same thing, which is, of course, nonsense. The product sells itself. People write great stories, but the product sells itself. And I a think that it's a lot of the time the product sells itself in spite of the media coverage. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think in this case, most people, especially like sort of fans that aren't informed at all, have heard. Apart from the boomers who think that any worker who wants more money is is greedy and should be grateful for their spoonful of gruel that they get at the at the orphanage. Apart from those people, most people who don't know any details about this, who've basically just heard, yeah, well, it's the players against the evil NRL who I hate because that's where the referees are from and that's where Peter Volandis is from. And they're doing something that will hamstring journalists who I also hate because they're all evil. So I think that that is sort of the the, the take that the great hive mind of people who aren't particularly informed in this have taken. So with that in mind, having people already come out and say, oh, well, the real victims here are the fans and be saying that with like absolute like self, self-belief and conviction in what they're saying, I think it's just a complete misstep and a complete mischaracterization of what's really happening. I think for the most part, the average fan is going to consume rugby league the same way they already did. And the only thing that they're not going to be consuming anymore is some halfback walking off the field for two lines at halftime and saying, yeah, we got to do better in the second half. Just get through our sets, complete well. Thanks. Well, if this is the death of the mid-match interview, then that, that might end up being a net positive. But I, 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 I take your point and I agree with a whole lot of it. But the thing the fan, the, the fan actually loses in this isn't so much the, the 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 self-important stories or anything like that because everybody who's sort of at the top of of rugby league journalism like all all the big names and you, you guys know who I'm talking about the guys are on TV all the time a lot of them don't actually rely on talking to players that much a no. lot of them a lot of them talk to club officials and coaches and managers and occasionally a player the people who who sort of miss out are people like me or mm. Dan Walsh and Adam Pengilly over at the Sydney Morning Herald or Martin Journalism Gabor at the NC at the NCA Newswire. So the people that 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 write stuff that's a bit more in depth and a bit more featurey and 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 a bit more based around storytelling than 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 sort of the the 24-hour news cycle. We're the ones that kind of get stung because I can't like for example, I wrote a story after Origin 2 and it was about Lindsay Collins and it was about how Lindsay Collins was becoming the, the the next great Queensland hero who is pretty good for the Roosters, but 
you know, goes from mild mannered roosters prop to origin superhero the second he puts on the jersey, right? And I got some great quotes from from Pat Carrigan about Lindsay Collins, and it was a story I was really, really proud of. And and without sort of pumping my own tires, I thought it really told the pump, story. Pump the, about, mate, pump the tires of how Lindsay Collins sort of got to this point. How now Lindsay Collins is going to be an origin hero forever. I'm not going to be able to do stuff like that if I can't talk to the guys, you know. So and I and I I I I'm a hundred percent with them. I want them to get what they want, whatever that whatever that is. I want them to get the best deal they can because they're just human beings and they're looking for a better deal for them and their workmates. And I'm a hundred percent in favor of that. But the people that get stung in this aren't the aren't the big dog media organizations. It's 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 like it's people like me and it's people who well, enjoy my work, you know. Obviously, but like, dude, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not whinging, and I'm not saying that you know they're being greedy or entitled. Like that's just a fact. I'm not going to be able to write the stories that I'm that I usually write if I can't talk to them. You know. Yeah, no, I understand that, but like, I mean, for, like, obviously, this is not going to be a permanent thing. There will be no, a time no. where you can do that again. Yeah. But I mean, dude, the other part of that is for every good story you write, there's like a hundred boring press conferences or boring all-ins where like players speaking cliches say nothing of note. Yeah. And it's a waste of everybody's time. I think that, honestly, and that, that Colin story you did involved going and talking to him in, in the sheds after the game, right? Yeah. So, like, for the most part, I think that 90 to 95% of what's said by players to media in general is completely pointless. I think mo- most most of it is. The vast, vast majority of it is. And I'm not saying that there aren't good stories that aren't going to be written in the next couple of weeks as a result of this. Of course there are. I'm not, I'm not silly. But... I just don't think that it's going to impact anyone and particularly any fan to the point where they're going to not continue to stick with the players and sort of support this decision for as long as it takes to find a resolution. Because, and again, it's like what what you touched on earlier, and this isn't, this isn't your fault. This isn't a part of anyone who, who talks to, goes to, goes to training every day and talks to players or goes to sheds, all that stuff. That's not, that's no one's fault, but the reality is, the most read stuff on sort of any, most of the sort of the websites that sort of just farm clicks. So like Fox sports and et cetera, websites are the, the most read stories on all of those websites are not good in depth stories where Nick Campton talked to Lindsay Collins in the sheds. It's either something, some idiot said on TV, it's a bullshit transfer rumor or it's complete dribble. Those are the stories that get read the most. So I don't even know if like, a lot of the people who have a stake in this are particularly go like in, from a media point of view are going to be particularly sort of damaged by this either. Like, uh, like when the, when most of your stories come from, uh, and I'm talking about a couple of places in particular, but when most of your stories come from what your on air talents say in stories or from just like zeroing in on an incident that happened in a game or even worse using tweets from people like Matt Bungard as, as a headline in your story, like, they're not going to be hurt by this at all. You're right that the only people who are going to get really hurt by this is like you and five other guys. And respectfully, I don't think the fans are going to be turning on the players and siding with management so Nick Campton can spin a yarn on Wednesday night. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. What worries me is places like the ones you just talked about, and we all know what they are, so we don't have to say it. But places like that, are probably going to be okay without this. They're just yeah, that's what yeah, exactly. But but then that then that makes me worry that when this is over, access is going to be even worse than before. And that's this true. Year, this, this year it's that's actually a, that's a very fair year, concern. This year it's it's actually gotten it's it's gotten a little bit worse and a little bit tougher. And 
that that's not me saying, you know, well, is me. That's just part of the job. Part of the job is you don't get everyone you want all the time. Part of the job is you get brushed for interviews. It's fine. It happens. It's all good. It's occupational hazard. But what worries me is if these media places that we're talking about are able to keep sustaining their current numbers of traffic and interest without access to the players, I think two things could happen. One is the clubs will say, well, everyone's getting along fine regardless. So media access can be even worse. So there is no incentive to, to try any harder with it. Or two, the media organizations say, okay, well, we don't need to talk to the players. So we don't need to send people to games anymore. There have been mm. games this year that I've that I've heard of that like have had like maybe one or two journalists in the entire press box. Well, I, I saw one. someone tweeted. There was one where there was one person. There was one person there. One person who was was, was covering the game. One person to ask the questions in the press conference. There's one person to follow up on any That's stories crazy. that might have come up out of the game. Yeah, like this industry is shrinking all the it time, is. and a lot of the places don't need much of an excuse to shrink even further. If That's you can true. cover a game, if you can write a match report off the TV and there's no prospect of, of following stories up in the sheds, why go to the game? Well, mate, I, like we're getting into a wider conversation, Joe. I think match reports in general are falling by the wayside. Like without that access to be adding sort of extra spice to it by going to talk to players, like ChatGPT could write a match report just yeah. based on writing what mate, happened it's, it's on the screen. Like, and again, we, we've sort of we've sort of pivoted into another thing here. That's fine. We've got time. Say say we're what say it's a. Say it's one of the games this weekend. What's the yep. what's the most pointless game this weekend? Uh, Bulldogs. South Bulldogs, probably. South Bulldogs. Okay. Well, here's a really good parallel, right? That Raiders Rabbitohs game a few a few weeks ago. Right? Great game in the end. Great game in the end. But Corey, the biggest story out of it was Corey Harawira and Ira having that seizure. Yeah, on yeah, the yeah. Field, right. And that's the sort of thing where if there's no one there covering the game properly, and then that just sort of happens, and then there's no sort of follow-up or or, or or information about, you know, what's he doing? Is he okay? How's the club handling it? Like, what's going on? You know? If, if, if we're just totally in the dark with these sorts of incidents, if there's not because there's no one at games, then information like that just doesn't come out, and then the fans aren't, aren't as well-informed, you know? Yeah. And, and, and it's the sort of thing where, like, I'm not saying something like that will happen, but you never know what's going to happen in a game of footy. Something crazy could happen in that, in that Saturday game that people want to, want to know about and, and want more details of, you know? And if if there's if there's no incentive to go to games and if there's no incentive to talk to players, that'll just stop happening. Yeah, so, no, I mean we are getting to a wider point, and I am genuinely worried about what you're saying because you and I love going to games. Yeah, and it is a lost like I like at my previous job, I barely went to games for work because as we talked about, like it's just cheaper and easier for them to just have you be at home or be in an office because so 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 much of what so much of like sort of the nuts and bolts of it can just be done remotely. Not the stuff that, not the color, not the actual flavor that you get by going to a game, but the stuff that, the stuff that can get you by in terms of from a, from a click standpoint, which is all most of these places care about now, you can get by with that stuff. And it's worrying. Yeah. I think someone, someone tweeted, they were at that Raiders Roosters game a couple of weeks ago. And there was two people in that massive media box at Allianz or two or three people, I think. And mm. yeah, it's, it's, it's strange. It's, it's a weird situation that we're in now where, I I, I, can, I can think back to the first time I was in press boxes, which was like what 2011, 2012, and like you go to a random Sunday afternoon game and it would be full, to, or, and to the point where you, sometimes I had to sit in the I had to sit in the overflow at Wynn Stadium once for a Dragons uh, Dragons Rabbitohs game because there was that many journalists there. Mm. That wouldn't happen now. So yeah. Well, anyway, so, sorry if we got um to. Inside baseball, all that media chat, guys. But you know, it no, is something it is, different. It's, a, it's a, I think it's a valid secondary concern from all of this. Um, 
yeah, but, yeah. Like, like I like like I said, I hope I hope the players get the get the best deal they can uh, yeah, with this combination because that's that's ultimately the most the most important thing I think. Yeah. All right. We are going to get out of here shortly. But before we do, a thank you to the people in the top two tiers on our Patreon. So if you want to support us, go to patreon.com forward slash NRL Boom Rookies. Uh, you get a bonus show every week. You get two this week because we did our greatest game show. Campo, do you want to give them 30 seconds on that real quick? Uh, yeah. We were talking about the Panthers Roosters semifinal um, from week one, 2014, where the Panthers get up in a, in a very close upset. And it was a very fun trip down memory lane and they're always a great listen the greatest games episodes were probably my favorite episodes of the shows to be on or listen to before i before i joined as a full-time host so yeah it's get, getting the nick campton seal of approval it's just two idiots yarning about an old game for yeah if you if you want so, a taste of it I, I tweeted out like a two-minute little preview video with some clips from the game with our commentary dubbed over it so go check that out on our twitter facebook or instagram and put it up on all of them and maybe that'll sway you. I don't know. And if follow it us on follow us on the gram. We're doing fun stuff on. Oh there yeah, please follow days. us because that's that's free. You have to pay to do that. So just just follow us and send out. So the tic tac toe we did last week went went pretty well. So we did a couple of them now. So, and we'll do a couple more. And um, thank you to Chris Abnell, Dave, Rocky and Ruffy, Stu, Where's Wayno, Alex Sergicomi, and introducing little Stevie Wonder. Bertrand, the illogical Ollie Coke, Butsy, Chewbacca, Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullinane, David, Doc Hogg, and anonymous backer, Ed Burton, Horsburgh scores for Jace Felix Farnworth, Jason, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, Kicks Outs Out of the Comp, Lachlan Haircott, Lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Smidmore, Maddie Jenkins, Maroon Gosside, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, my name is Bungard, and I love Taylor Swift, my ding ding dong is hard and I am sad, never trendy, Pat McManus, Pete Fulcher, Reese Brown, RFP stand down action, advanced strike team zero, Tiger 74, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, see you in Vegas, Shunter Tie, T. TV, the Black Vegetable Thor, Tom Hardy, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, and start was and West Life's podcast. Thank you so much for your support to everyone in the lower tiers and to everyone who just listens. Thank you as well. That up, up, down, is that the Konami code? It sure is. Nice. Look at you knowing a video game thing. Uh, oh, well, no, I knew about video games until about 2006. Then you, then you, then you kissed a girl for the first time, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't need these anymore. <laughs> Uh, oh man fantastic all right uh we'll be back on monday with origin preview and a wrap-up of uh the four games that are coming over this weekend stay safe have a good weekend enjoy the footy say goodbye campo goodbye bertrand that's goodbye from me